Broadcasting from the Skull and Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Skull and Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 181. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And this is the episode for the week of Monday, September 15th. Oh, has anyone else recovered from the con? Uh, barely. Uh, sort of. The, here, here's one of the many good things about the con. About Salt Lake Comic Con, of course, is what we're talking about. And if you weren't there, really, you should have been. You know, Ruff flew freaking across the country to come to our Comic Con and say hi. What was your excuse? And but, we missed you if you were not there. Yes, we did miss you. Uh, the problem is, is that when we were there at the con, we were all there together, and we actually recorded episode 180 on the con floor. And if you haven't listened to episode 180, you really should, because we sound amazing. <laughs> Not to toot our own horn, but... <laughs> oh my gosh, our audio is perfect. Funny how that works when we're all together and not using the internet, eh? Well, the funny thing is, is that episode 179, I'm sure many of you noticed, uh, we had a slight audio hiccup, where one of us, Zoner, um, his audio stream got broken up and was just totally messed up. Huge props to Schmitty for fixing it, but it came up in the middle of the week. So now we are back in our own homes, back to using our normal get-up over the internet. All of us kind of worried, is this happening again right now? Yeah, I'm really nervous about that because I have a habit of losing time, and I don't know where that time goes. A skinwalker abduction, perhaps? Um, aliens, maybe? I don't <laughs> an, know where... An episode of SD Files is happening as we record. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that causes me great concern, and so I am paying very close attention to my audio stream tonight, and it probably will work just fine because I'm watching it and you know that a watched audio stream never loses time or boils or something, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Hey, before we get any further into our crossover with the paranormal, uh, we want to uh, give a shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com and stitcher.com. Also huge mad props to our friends at Eagle Moss limited mad screen printing. And did we miss anyone? I don't think so. I think yeah, I think we got them all. I wasn't listening. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> kind of zone out there. We got to meet Gene from Krypton Radio. That was He's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. That was did, you, did he show you his utility kilt? Yeah. Yeah, we saw that. The dude bought a kilt in khaki. And whereas we're normal IT people, we all wear khaki cargo pants. He's wearing khaki utility kilt. It like had all these pockets and spots for weapons and explosives and like if you want to go to war that's the kilt you want to bring Freedom. i actually was the those guys booth was right next to dr jeff meldrum's booth and while we were waiting to interview him about bigfoot we were checking out the utility kilts and you know i'm thinking that may be like the wave of the future because frankly pants suck but i don't want to wear a skirt either it's a kilt. It's not a skirt. No, but when, you, <laughs> when you're walking down the street, if I were to wear that in my office, I would get like rotten tomatoes thrown at me for wearing a skirt to work. You could be like Star Trek The Next Generation. Few people realize this, but in the first couple episodes, you'd see crew members walking around, men in skirts. Mm. That's it just was wrong. Kind of weird. Yes. Anyway. So, yeah, we had a great time at Salt Lake Comic Con. If you haven't heard the news or read our site or, I don't know, been under a rock or something, what's the final tally? Like over 120,000, right? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Third largest in North America. And Just I'm, barely. 
I was privy to some conversations between Sam Witwer, the actor, and a local politician in which Sam Witwer said that we are actually a very legitimate threat to San Diego Comic-Con. This is how you know it's real people because he didn't say legit. (laughs) That's right. I'm too legit to quit. But no, he was actually singing the praises and he said that like, and he listed off a number of the celebrities who were in attendance saying how amazed they were at how well they were treated and how well the convention was run. Now, if you were standing outside on Thursday trying to get in, you may disagree with that statement. However, from a guest standpoint, this is they were saying this is one of the best conventions in the country. Yeah, yes. That makes me happy. Yes, Not that is. I had anything to do with it. We're going to uh, sing the praises here of Dan Farr and uh, Brian Brandenburg. Who, who who did, you know, a lot of work to get, take this off the ground and all while under a legal battle from San Diego. <laughs> so props to them. I uh, can't wait for the next one. Well, actually, I can because we're still barely recovering. <laughs> Got to make it to CES first and then yeah. and podcast <laughs> awards. And uh, uh, can you we know, I could now? I could barely walk on Monday and I don't have like bad hips. But my hips just hurt so badly on Monday morning. Sunday morning, uh, the con ended Saturday night. We had been there for three days. Sunday morning, I'm laying in bed looking at the floor. And I have this moment of sheer panic that as soon as I put my feet out onto it, they're not going to be able to hold my weight. <laughs> like, you know, it's like I, I, people don't know this. Audience members don't know this. I had a stroke years ago. Okay, I'm better now. I'm fine. But it, it's that level of fear that... I'm going to go put my foot down, and it's not going to work. <laughs> my body is so broken, it is not going to respond how I want it to be. And that's what a Comic-Con does to you. And it was glorious. We should be moving on, though. But it's fun to relive the glory of the Comic-Con. <laughs> Comic-not-con. Hey, uh, we need to start off with a headline that I'm actually not going to start off with. I'm going to push it back, jumping us into our next first one for TiVo. We had talked uh, last a week before last, I believe it was, about the over-the-air TiVo and kind of why people would be interested in that, who would be interested, uh, who it's meant for, and, but it, also that it was the, I believe, most inexpensive, most affordable TiVo out there. Yep. And how it, great it was for cord cutters. So that's kind of cool, right? Yeah, I mean, and it's, what, 50 bucks or something like that? So it's... Specifically designed for people like Schmitty and myself who do not pay the cable companies. Yeah. Um, so then a couple of days later, they announce the most expensive product as of yet. This is a 24 yeah. terabyte DVR with six tuners. Um, it holds over 26,000 hours of TV. Uh, they're, they're estimating it'll run around $5,000. And it looks like who's, a server rack. Who's the target I, market for that? Um, you know, actually, I know the people who are the target audience for this. They're the people who have the network-based uh, TV tuners and have their own entertainment center rack down in the basement that feeds out feeds to the rest of the house. Yeah. you All probably 60,000 square feet of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably don't know these people, but you know a friend who says he has a friend who has this stuff. Okay. Now, I love this because this is their own press release. This is from their site, from TiVo's own site, and it's titled, So Big It's Almost Inappropriate. <laughs> that title is so inappropriate that I just 
get a smile on my face. Now, um, why would anyone need this much space? Well, the thing I noticed, I'm reading through the press release here, and it doesn't really say, but I'm guessing that the 26,000 hours of TV is not taking into account... Um, Oh, well, it kind of does here. 26,000 hours of SD recording space, approximately 4,000 hours of HD recording space. What happens when you have a 4K TV channel? That's like three programs, isn't it? It's an honest question here. We're not yeah. we're not to 4K yet in the US, okay? Other countries are getting there first. We're seeing them at CES. We're seeing them. My phone has a 4K display, okay? 4K is coming. So how much are we talking there? Uh, probably around a thousand hours, I'm guessing. Uh, and still think that much? Yeah, well, I, I'm like, going with three shows, sense. man. You <laughs> you can record the nightly news, the Tonight Show, and part of the Biggest Loser. That's that's what you got at yeah. 4K on 24 terabytes. Well, and you know, if they do this correctly, um, it, all their all their previous TiVo devices have been trying to cater to uh, the home video market as well, like people recording videos on their camcorder and uploading it to their servers. Um, you've always been able to do that with your TiVos. Now with this, and maybe they're making it a, a really easy way to to put all your home videos up and then host them from your house, uh, trying to jump into that market. So That's true. That's very true. Um, I just looked something up here. Uh, there is a movie that uh, was done a couple of years ago. It was the very first 4K movie you could download. And it's it's 4K. It's entirely 4K. 4K is 2560 by 1440 uh, resolution, and it's 160 gigs. How long is the movie? I'm trying to find that right now, actually. Um, not having a whole lot of luck. And there isn't any real... Uh, there isn't any uh, dialogue. It's just uh, it's timescapes. It's that time-lapse um, nature and landscape video that came out a few years ago. Uh, you can look into space. You can see all sorts of beautiful things about planet Earth. Oh, yeah. So, kind of cool, right? But 160 gigs, that's that's huge. Yeah, well, if, that, here's if, a, that's, uh, if that's a two-hour movie, which I, I doubt it is, it's probably closer to an hour, you're looking at 1.3 gigs per minute. So, Well, now, here's a thought, too. If, you know, there's a lot of people who have taken their DVD collections and completely digitized them. They've they've loaded them up onto their media server. So do you think that TiVo could be possibly looking at this new device as a replacement for a home media server where you just take all of your home media and you kind of alluded to it a minute ago, but just take all your media, all your movies, all everything and just stick it up there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally possible. So, I mean there is a big market for that. There are, there are other Devices you can buy that are closer to like ten thousand uh, dollars, that are basically DVD carousels or or devices that you can upload your DVDs to and stream them from that, and and they have Netflix style navigation systems. So there's definitely a market for it. Um, whether or not uh, TiVo will do well in that market is still yet to be seen, but uh, there there definitely is a market for it. You wish one hundred and sixty gigs is two hours. It's fifty two minutes. Fifty two minutes. <laughs> Okay, so that's about three gigs per minute. Wow. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, let's take a look here. So that'll carry 8,000 minutes or 133 hours. 
133 <laughs> hours. My my first TiVo um, recorded 40 hours of TV. That was low, the standard standard definition, 40 hours. Our next level up from that held 120 hours of of standard. HD it would have only held like uh, I think it was about close to 50 hours or so. Yeah, this wouldn't even hold, hold a full hour on that one. <laughs> uh, I I can't say anything. I it's like my uh, my media center that I built from scratch for much less than I think any TiVo is really, um, and I can expand it as well. Can currently hold uh, I want to say 500 hours of 1080 TV. Not bad. Not bad. Not great. Not bad. It's a problem, you know, when I say record Mythbusters and it goes and records the entire 24-hour marathon I didn't know was coming up. Uh, <laughs> first Don't you love problems. that? Yeah. I told it to record only new. Oh, well, the station didn't put any metadata in, so it didn't know there were all reruns. Thanks, Discovery. Um, <laughs> I blame Obama. <laughs> this is not... This is expensive, but it's not as... Not as good as I think they were hoping. No. Well, I think people are going to look at the size of that and they're going to say, "Oh man, twenty-four terabytes. That's huge. That's you know that we'll never fill that up." Kind of like I was saying in nineteen ninety-seven when I bought my first Packard Bell computer after I got married and it had a two-gig hard drive. Oh, I'll never fill that up. I never did. I was uh, I was in high school Once. when I had a two-gig computer. So well, you're old. Remember, yeah. I'm old. Yes, you know I, I think I, there's. I, I'm there's, the old man of the droids now. <laughs> there's two types of people that will want to buy this. One, people that have more money than sense, and they just want another gadget in their house. And the other type of people will not be able to afford it. They're people like me that want it because we realize the capacity of it. You don't want it, Schmitty. Oh, I be do honest. want this. <laughs> you you know full well that you can build something just as capable. For a fraction of the cost, well, a yeah. terabyte hard yeah. drive is nothing now. No, you're right, but but for me to build something on my own, it still takes a lot of time and effort on my part. To be able to just buy something and have it work, you know, out of the box is somewhat appealing to me, given the number, the amount of free time I have lately. The, well, um, and let me ask you this, Schmitty, what are you going to record, man? You don't even have television. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ow. Okay, so Schmitty makes a good point, but let me uh, let me balance it with this. How much do you make an hour? How long would it take you to save up $5,000 to do this? Could you build a computer in that time? No, because I'd be at work earning those dollars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Three that hours, logic by the is way. sound. That's sound off in the work. comment. Feedback at stolendroids.com. <laughs> is this just stupid or is this like drool worthy? We want to know. Um, let's go into other stupid, drool worthy, expensive, not expensive devices. We're jumping ahead again. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, the Fire Phone. We were making fun of this only two episodes ago because it was the phone that had only sold 35, they estimate at max, 35,000 units since launch. Maybe three episodes ago. And part of the problem was it was that it had lackluster hardware but still cost $200 on contract. Obviously, someone in Amazon listens to our show. Or listens to every other tech pundit out there who have been saying the same thing. Because this week, the Fire Phone was dropped to $0.99 cents on contract. That's not a good sign. No, it's not. That is, we screwed up. We have another phone in the wings. 
we need to get rid of this stock. And then they dropped to $450 off contract. Um, I think originally that was 600 650 650 okay. Now, do you think that they're are are they going to just chalk this up as a as a failure and try and improve upon it, or are they going to just say nope, phone's not for us. Let's leave it no. to the leave it to the big boys. I don't think so. Amazon is pretty stalwart. They they keep going. And remember, the first Fire uh, tablet when they first branched off from their Kindle. Ooh, look at the Fire tablet. It's our own version of Android. You're going to love it. Everything's great. And everyone said, eh, yeah, no. But then the Fire HD and the HDX came out. Yeah. And those still are not contenders against an iPad or the Nexus line, but they are holding their own. Now, did it fail because it was so gimmicky, or did it fail because of Fire OS, or did it fail because it was Amazon? I want to say it was a combination of things. Okay. People who love Amazon didn't need this. Because they already had the Kindle. Right. Yeah. And people who wanted this or people who got this probably weren't as tied into the Amazon ecosystem as Amazon might have hoped. Okay. So, I, and again, that's me speculating on that. I never had a Fire tablet. Honestly, I only knew one person who did, and they said they hated it. So that yeah. says something. Yeah. And I, the only reason I ask is because if it was Amazon, if it was, if it failed because it was an Amazon product, not, not, no amount of work they do will be able to recover from that. They could put out a dozen more phones that are ten times better than this, and they'll still never get it off the ground. So, Now, you just mentioned being firmly entrenched in the Amazon ecosystem. Is there a really that much of an ecosystem to get that firmly entrenched in? Yeah, they got their app store. Yes but- and no. Yes and no. And let me explain that, okay? People who have an Amazon 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 Prime membership. The first thing they think of, okay, I need to go buy something. Oh, I'll go get it on Amazon. I have Prime. I think that really? I don't have a Prime membership. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's like that's their very first. My, my mom is looking at buying a new computer right now, okay, and I'm helping her choice that out. When I'm looking at a computer, where do I go? Well, new if egg. I'm getting tech, I usually go to Newegg. Right. I've gone to Newegg since ninety two thousand. When did they get founded? Well, since egg, the dawn of man. Eggheads were around since like 97, 98, and then they became Newegg. And yeah, about the year 2000. Yeah, okay. I've been using Newegg since 2000. Okay? I always go to Newegg, even when it's not really the cheapest because they had better shipping. Not always true now. And she, on the other hand, goes straight to Amazon, the place you get your books from, because she has Prime. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of how they work. So no. You're right. Amazon doesn't have an ecosystem in that they don't have email or calendars or your documents or, you know, any of that stuff. But the people who are in the Amazon ecosystem don't care. They're not looking for those things. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're really in the Amazon ecosystem. They're Amazon loyalists. Yeah. That's that's how I would classify it. Because, As opposed you know, to the I, Google Play separatists? <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll yes. put it this way. Anything you can do on on the Fire Phone that was Amazon-centric, you can also do on an Android or an iPhone or a BlackBerry, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> but, um, BlackBerry, really? So, no, so maybe. No one, I think he's speculating. No one's buying a Fire Phone to get those Amazon features because you, you, you already have them. Even if you have a dumb phone, you probably have some sort of Amazon skills there, you know? I don't know. But, uh, so no one's buying the Fire Phone just, just to get those, those apps. 
So then why pay $200 for a middle-level fo- middle, uh, phone? That's why they lowered it to $0.99. Cents. <laughs> exactly. And, and I do believe this because they are looking at getting new phones and they're trying to clear out stock. This is classic Amazon. Yeah. So there's that. So if you want a uh, kind of lackluster phone, you can go ahead and uh, get a uh, Amazon Fire or an iPhone 6. Do we want to jump? Wow, that was a nice little segue there. Yeah, I don't know if we're ready to jump into it then, but I just had to put that burn. I just had to do it. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Trouble burn. I I pulled the band aid. (laughs) Let's do it. Hashtag trouble burn. Okay, you know that Apple had their event. You know that they launched the iPhone six and six. It's better. Super Plus and iPhone six Maxi. Okay. The new ones have pretty much everything that you thought they'd have. They have a slightly faster processor. They have a newer version of iOS. They have slightly more RAM. They have a 4.7-inch screen, except for the one that has the 5.5-inch screen. Um, They launched three different phones. No, no, I take that back. I'm very sorry. They launched... Two different phones. Two different phones. Just Just two. two. And for the first time, a phone that has 128 gigabytes built in. Yeah. Um... Pretty good. You've probably by now seen the meme where they say, congratulations, iPhone users. Welcome to 2012. Because the phone also has such features as NFC, tap-to-pay payments, a 1080 screen, no, a higher resolution screen than that, a 4.7-inch screen, basically listing all these different things that the Nexus 4 had on launch in 2012. Um, I want to say it was like the Washington Post or some hoity-toity newspaper tried putting out an article about how stupid that was and how it didn't matter because the Nexus 4 never had the build quality or luxurious feel of an Apple device. To which I say that's bull honky. Someone needs to tell this journalist how luxury works. Luxury doesn't cost more for being late. Luxury costs more because it has every unknown feature under the sun that you'll never even use or didn't know existed yet in one piece of hardware. Okay? Luxury is the Mercedes-Benz car that had a car phone before anyone even knew that you could put a phone in the car. Yeah. Right? It's the Audi that had 16 gears in a gearbox before you knew you even needed more than three. That's how luxury works. Not, hey, let's be three years to market and have less features than our contemporaries, but because we made it look nicer... It's luxury. That's BlackBerry talk, and it's crap. <laughs> Be bold. <laughs> you, you, you want that? Go get a Porsche edition phone from BlackBerry, okay? <laughs> yeah, I think you just came up with uh, Apple's new slogan, if they can wrestle it away from BlackBerry, Schmitty. Oh, Be yeah, bold. BlackBerry's not using it anymore. I don't think they ever trademarked it, so they're good to go. Apple, now, Be bold. Now, of course... I, This sounds like we're just hating on Apple, but the truth of the matter is, is that they launched the iPhone 6, and then their stock immediately dropped. Now, if you go back um, over the past uh, five days or so, you can see the general fluctuation, and as of the time of us recording this, uh, Thursday night, um, the stock has started to climb back up. So it's recovering, okay? It's not like this is the, the end of Apple. But it really says something when... All the Apple loyalists, the stockholders, the shareholders are all looking at this thing going, okay, okay, okay. Oh, look, a phone we said we'd never make. Oh, look, a a bigger phone we said we'd never make. Okay, I guess that means we really have nothing left to offer now. 
and they start selling, and the price starts dropping. And it's only once certain people, and I won't say who because you know who they are, start spinning it and get the Apple fans back into a frenzy about this tech that they said they'd never, ever want to want it, that the stock starts to climb again. Where uh, where is the headphone jack on this particular model? Is it on the bottom again, or did they try and revolutionize everything and put it on the side? I don't know. Middle of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Amazon, or excuse me, not Amazon, Apple. Wow. <laughs> this is I. I'm still it's an on. I'm yeah. still on the last story. Uh, Apple is really showing the fact that I've been saying it for years, but they're really confirming the fact that. They're just no longer innovative. They are not doing anything that people are coming out and saying, holy crap, did you see what Apple did? They came out with the Apple Watch. And uh, who cares? I mean, we've had we've had Android wearables for two years now. Yeah, well, and we knew Apple was eventually going to get into the the smartwatch business. Um but uh, it, well, we knew we knew it was gonna they were gonna be late. We knew they were going to quote unquote revolutionize, uh, and it was kind of a, a lack, for lack of a better term, it was a, a faded event. I guess nobody re- seemed to care about it. Well, and the people who did seem to care about it weren't even able to watch it <laughs> because they kept having issues with their live stream. Which oh, really? <laughs> I just I just giggle about because you know you hear Apple oh it just works, but they can't get a, a live stream to go. They they had so yeah. many problems with their with their stream of their event, but yeah I'm just I am so so sick of so so sick of Apple and their loyalists sitting there telling me Apple is revolutionary Apple is innovative. This was true ten years ago. It is no longer the case. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because they always say that you know they when they come out with things they are they're revolutionizing things they're they're very innovative, um, but but this time around um, and I think even starting with the iPhone the iPhone five, um, everyone started beating them at their own game. Even now with the iWatch, uh, and they're saying look how sleek it is and look how stylish it is. Yeah. Well, Not, I thought it was just the Apple Watch. Yeah, I think oh. they finally ditched the i name, which is good. oh okay Apple Watch, but. LG and and uh, and Motorola beat them at at their own game. You know, and they're Samsung. coming out. Yeah, they're coming out with these stylish watches that Apple can't even compete with now. So it's well, and and going back a bit to the phone bit, you know, hey, we're launching with all this stuff, and and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, of course I'm saying this. I, I get that only I'm saying this, but it's like Windows Phone launched with that stuff. What the crap are you doing? <laughs> and, and and you're right though, Schmitty. The the, link, the article I linked to in the show notes. Um, is entitled the Apple Watch. Much ado about nothing, and that's if that's not um, blasphemous enough to you, Apple fanatics. It's written by an Apple fanatic who flat out says how disappointed he is in it. Now, here's the real thing that's going to kick your sense of social justice in the teeth. It's an Apple. It's a personal device. It looks really, really smooth and clear, right? So, is it not going to sell, or is it going to sell just fine? Oh, it'll sell just fine. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're oh, yeah. they're going to sell. People are lining up. People are going to line up to buy it. Oh look, I can kind of scribble a uh, picture onto this thing and send it to my friend. I've never had a device other than my Nintendo 3DS that could do that. I- <laughs> now, are are people over Apple? Are are people starting to jump off the bandwagon? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. So people are starting to jump off. There, there are still the the Kool Aid drinkers that will always be drinking the Kool Aid. Um, but I'm starting to see more and more people that are. 
you know, they, they got the iPhone fives, they got upgraded to iOS six or whatever it is now. I can't even remember. Um, and, and they're starting to realize that, oh yeah, you know, they're, they're just becoming another, another smartphone, you know, I might as well upgrade to Android or yeah, so they're, it's, they're the people that jumped on the bandwagon early on who are kind of fickle. And I will admit that I'm probably one of them. Uh, and the fickle people weren't going to stay no matter what. I mean, that's just, that, that's why we call them fickle, right? <laughs> I, I hate to be redundant, but that's what they are. They're not the, the steadfast Apple fans. The steadfast Apple fans, you know who you are. You're the ones who said Apple was still good even when it wasn't Apple making your Apple computers. Back in the Hackintosh days. Yeah. And even if you didn't buy one because it didn't run anything you needed, you still said, yeah, but I still liked Apple during that time. I just couldn't use it because it was too abusive to me. <laughs> so These are like, these fans like remind me of the abusive, or the the abused wife on Cops. When or or her, Sonic the Hedgehog fans. But I yeah, love when, him. <laughs> yeah, when her husband's getting hauled away in handcuffs, she's bleeding from the face because he beat the crap out of her. And he's in his wife beater and whatever, getting thrown in the cop car. And she's all, no, don't take him. I love him. Just don't put him in jail. And it's, that's, well, do, that's Apple fanboys at this point. If you do put him in jail, can you point. release him before the next iOS, you know, developer <laughs> conference? Because then I get new cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I'm seeing Apple fanboys now. Well, it's it's kind of true to form. Uh, the people that are starting to realize that iPhone is just another smartphone and they could go to any other platform at this point they're depending on how long they've been on apple they're they're locked into that ecosystem now so yes and it's no kind of Speaking the same reason I, i'll probably always be android unless android just up and leaves the planet so i i don't disagree with that at all speking of, and it will and it'll use your bodies as fuel um <laughs> Um, speaking from experience, it's not as hard as you think to leave one phone ecosystem for another. It truly isn't. Probably the hardest is, believe it or not, leaving Windows Phone going back to Android. Everyone says it's impossible to leave any ecosystem go to Windows Phone. Um, it just requires you to change the way you think about how you're using your phone. It's yeah. actually much harder to go back from Windows Phone. It's actually but, even harder to go to BlackBerry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! You just see, give up and cry silently in the corner. My there. thinking That's a two-step is, process. if I'm going to leave an ecosystem, I'm looking at all the money I've invested in apps. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really what it boils down to. Forget about the the email. Forget about the documents. All that other stuff. I'm looking at a dollar sign. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, most people do, and not just apps, accessories, yeah. um, accounts. You know, all sorts of different stuff. You're absolutely right there. Part of the reason I say that you have a problem leaving Windows Phone, and I'm sorry because I know we started on an Apple headline and it's going into a phone rant here, um, but part of the reason why I had a hard time leaving Windows Phone going back to Android in this case, but I believe it would be the same with any of them, is because on Windows Phone, everything is integrated into the phone. Right. In pretty much everything. And when I went back to Android, it was this scramble of, oh, you mean I have to find an app for that? <laughs> okay, wh what apps are there? Oh, there's only you know, 50 different apps and none of them do exactly what I want them to do. And I have to try them all out to see which one matches me. And I get that that's part of the strength, part of the strength, by the way, which iOS lacks. Um, but that's why I say it's the hardest transition. There's more Apple news. Okay. Um, we're, but we have to get oh, to it a little bit later here. Transition to Blackberry, but oh, oh, oh no, we're going to Blackberry. <laughs> there, we're going to Blackberry because the, the rest of the Apple news actually ties in very closely with another headline we have. 
But BlackBerry has decided to launch a new smartphone called the Q20. It is the worst kept secret amongst BlackBerry because it has been leaked everywhere. Okay. It's leakier than the NSA right now. <laughs> um, of course, they didn't go to IFA uh, 2014 because that's where we expect all the smartphone makers to go. <laughs> I'm on one this time. Trouble, aren't, aren't trouble burn. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're going with the BlackBerry Passport, which we talked about, the one-to-one ratio screen. Um, the really weird design. Well, the Q20, if the Q20 had launched three years ago, even even three years ago, I would have said they would have had a winner on their hands. Three? It, it It's a very pretty phone, if you need a QWERTY keyboard. It has a large touchscreen. It's kind of, uh, it looks like they're old curves, in a way, um, or storms. I think the curves look better than this. <laughs> yeah. It has their signature QWERTY keyboard on the bottom. It has a trackpad, for reasons I don't understand when you have a touchscreen, but okay. And then it has a touchscreen. And it's... It honestly looks, uh, I, and I'm not trying to be mean here when I say this, but it looks like someone tried to fit a BlackBerry into the uh, footprint of an iPhone. It has the aluminum bar around it. It has the black glass. I don't know. I I don't think it looks a little wider than an iPhone. Perhaps. But, yeah. But yeah, I, but the aluminum casing, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it looks like they're trying to go with. Now, people who are real aficionados, and we already mentioned this once before, but it does look quite a bit like the Porsche design Blackberries. You know, the $5,000 phones no one buys. So in that way, it's a real looker, I think. I still think the keyboard's a stupid idea, but... I, th- I think it just takes up way too much of the real estate. At least when, when uh, Motorola was... At- uh, releasing their smartphones with the hardware keyboards, at least they had them separate from the screen and didn't take up any of the screen real estate. I think they're shooting themselves in the foot by taking half the screen away and still calling it a smartphone. Wasn't there a BlackBerry, a slider? A vertical slider, the one that slid up? Yeah, that I was the torch. So. That was the torch. Yes, yes, the torch. Why but it still wasn't a full screen. It was, a, it was still a smaller screen. The only, the only full touch screen they had... Uh, was the oh now I can't even remember the clicky one where the entire screen actually clicked yeah so yeah that was that one where you felt like you were breaking your phone with every interaction <laughs> and who knew maybe you were and you just didn't know it because you thought you were actually clicking <laughs> then there was the morning when my phone didn't click anymore and I knew it was dead um sorry that sounded very dark there especially uh, since you're talking about BlackBerry. <laughs> Now, we've given BlackBerry, obviously, a lot of crap in the past because, well, that's kind of what we do here. Um, it is the subtitle for the show, Stolen Droids Podcast, The BlackBerry Killers. Um, but I love how nonchalantly you said that. I mean, you're just like, yeah, yeah, we're the BlackBerry Killers here. That's what yeah. we do. Moving but on. They've been able to turn things around a lot lately. We can all agree to that, right? John Chen has just been unbelievable in managing the crap out of that company, squeezing blood from a stone and somehow getting it. You know? Yeah. We've agreed on that in the past. Will this undo all of his efforts, or is this part of his master plan? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think it may set him back. 
further than they already have gone back. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I I really do. I think that this could quite possibly be a very I can't say fatal mistake. You can only kick a dead horse so many times before it's not well no i see what he's saying though i'm seeing what he's saying it's like look imagine this from from chen's point of view i just sold off half of our buildings and laid off ten thousand people to make up for the last mistake and then you drop this we have nothing left to sell <laughs> yeah yeah and you know blackberry i was talking with with schmitty earlier today they're like the cockroach of of the cell phone world they can't be killed we've been predicting their doom and their demise since we started this show three years ago and You've been you trying know, for, to kill them for three years. For every maybe BlackBerry just, that you see, really there's dozens that you companies. don't. Maybe we just really suck at this. Yeah, probably. But you know, I think that this this could be a, a significant blow if this goes wrong. Yeah. No, I agree. It's kind of their last hope. Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about uh, what was going to be the last hope, uh, let's go into that really really cool. Windows notebook, you know, the one that was going to be $200 with desktop level components and absolutely just kill the Chromebook. Even Schmitty said that if, man, if they can get Windows computers that cheap, that is going to be it. HP just um, announced the name of that computer. It's called the HP Stream. Um, and it is not $200. Uh, it's actually going to start at $300. So here's an honest question here. Is, I mean, let me let me go back just in case anyone's forgotten. Two gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of local storage, 14-inch uh, screen, a high-resolution 720 display, two USB ports, HDMI socket, uh, 3.8 pounds. Okay. Is it still worth it? Yeah, yeah. The $300 range is still still a viable option um now they did they did come back and say that there are m more products in the streamline streamline <laughs> <laughs> i see what you did there um, did he do it or did they do that was it was that intentional and so so 300 dollars might be might be just one of their products maybe they will have a 200 dollars one and maybe a 400 dollars one um they still haven't released a full product line so um the the one with the specs that we heard about it uh, a month ago is the $300 one. So there might be one with like a 13 inch screen for 200 or, uh, you know, I'm kind of bummed because I seem to remember them saying there was going to be a lot more onboard storage than 32 gigs. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. But, uh, well, if you're yeah. primarily using it for surfing the internet, hence the what, name stream. Yes. What are you going to need a lot of onboard storage for? For when you cross the streams, that's, you don't cross the streams. Everybody <laughs> knows that. But no, if you think about it, people I think that this is targeted to are people who are using cloud storage to store their naked selfies and whatnot. Um, See the last using, episode. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're using online collaboration tools like Google Drive, Google Documents, things like that. And so do they really, I mean, do they even need 32 gigs? Well, um, that's a good question. I mean, there's still programs that you need to install locally or that you want to. Uh, or if it even has enough power, there's some games. This thing can game, theoretically. But it does come with 100 free gigs of storage. So that's a good point as well, that it really is meant to be an uh, Internet-only device. 
three hundred dollars though for an internet only device. I can't. I don't know. You know, it kind of reminds me of those uh, compact. Oh, I can't even remember what the they were called. It was so. Yeah. No, I don't think it was the iPack. It was before that, but all it did was essentially connect to the internet so you could send email. And they were they were partnered with MSN. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, MSN Companions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I mean, that's essentially what we're looking at here. It's just a beefed up version of that. Or the web TV that I think was also compact. You hook up to your TV, and you hooked it to your phone line and had dial-up internet on your TV. <laughs> Man, yeah. why did why ever did compact not uh, not succeed? <laughs> Making all these great products that people really wanted and needed. Um, let's move on. Um, Past a couple. Yeah, we did, and we might as well circle back to them. Let's go into the other part that Apple announced. And this one made a lot of sense, and I, I'm not even being sarcastic here. Uh, they previously announced their Passbook. You remember this? This was in the iOS 7, I want to say, where they had an wallet, a digital wallet that could hold all your different cards, your gym membership, your store preference card, um, your Starbucks card, um, everything, everything. And at the time, people were going, why? Because the phone itself had no tap-to-pay capabilities. I think I remember talking about that on this very show. We did, in fact. And we were all going, but, but why? Why would you bother putting all that information into your phone when the phone can't interact with anything? Well, it shouldn't be any surprise that then the Apple Pay system has come out with this one. They now have NFC. They can now do tap to pay. I'm not being sarcastic here when I say this is actually a really great way of doing it. The differences between Apple Pay, and I have to make sure not to say Play, and the Google Wallet or other such systems is that they've partnered with Visa to create this really interesting way of creating a token. You're not paying with your card. You're paying with your token. And the token is a lot like... um, It's a lot like two-stage authentication. In that even if someone steals your phone, it doesn't matter. Because all they have is the token that Apple Pay has been using to pay vendors or pay merchants. It has nothing to do with your card. The token is only good for a short amount of time. And I think this is kind of brilliant, actually. Now, to my knowledge, this is also very unique. No one else has this. Does anyone else know otherwise? Or no, I, I not that I'm aware. Of. So, I mean, this is really, really cool, and it may have helped better if um, Home Depot had uh, known about it beforehand. Because, oh, by the way, you remember that credit card hack that happened? Yeah, Home Depot was affected. <laughs> Home Depot. Why do all the retailers at which I shop at keep getting hacked? Maybe it's you. Well, we, okay, so let's let's clarify. We don't know for sure if Home Depot is hacked, but they do say that of all the credit card uh, numbers that they've they've found that have been uh, compromised, uh, had a ninety nine point four percent overlap with Home Depot stores. So either Home Depot was part of the hack. Or it's just a coincidence that 99.4% of all these people shop at Home Depot. I now, love how you give that the benefit of the doubt. Like, <laughs> well, okay, Almost is... 100% of the people just happen to shop at the same store. There are, um, there are certain anomalies and coincidences within statistics. For instance, during the summer months, the consumption of ice cream goes up. 
Also, during the summer months, uh, car theft goes up. But that doesn't mean that if you eat ice cream, your car is going to get stolen. It's a coincidence of stats. No, but it also means that people that steal cars eat ice cream. Yes, that's, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> it doesn't, though, and that's just it. People like try and make those. So I see where Schmidty's coming from on this, where, yes, all these people who got uh, their credit cards hacked, most of them shopped at Home Depot. But maybe that's also because most people shop at Home Depot. Yeah, but what about that 0.6%? Those 0.6% did not shop at Home Depot. So... Yeah, maybe they did, but they used cash. I don't know. <laughs> no way, that doesn't make any sense at all. No, it doesn't completely. Wow, that just made my brain come out my ear. Strike a that bit. from the record, please. Maybe there's an ATM near Home Depot. They paid for cash at Home Depot because they got it from the ATM. See, correlation. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't have anything. And maybe they had they hot don't... dogs for dinner. I don't know. No, check your their... cards, people. Check the your new bank barbecue statements. that they got at Home Depot. <laughs> Seriously, check your bank statements, okay? Home Depot's been hacked. Everyone's been hacked. Your bank has been hacked. Everyone knows your stuff. Really, the most you can do, other than burying your money in the yard, like we've talked about in previous episodes, is just to monitor your stuff. Now, at what point are people going to just completely lose faith in the ability to have their bank accounts and their their identities and their data kept secure by retailers it's, well, it's already starting i, I know a few people yeah. that will that will not shop at target anymore and this will this uh news article will uh disallow them from shopping at home depot anymore and so it, it's already happening but it's it's being singled out by store now until until a future date when we say that oh all all stores are compromised now so he has a good point. I mean, if they had announced this as, you know, 5,000 visa numbers had been compromised, well, that's kind of nebulous, right? Okay, well, yeah, but how many card numbers are out there with visa? 5,000? What's the chance of that going? Versus, oh, 99.4% of all Home Depot shoppers had their information compromised. So, I mean, that's if you, if you went ahead and uh, if you did it by cardholder, it's very, very different. By doing it by store, people are a little bit more scared. I think the PSA remains the same. Monitor your information. Yes. You know, I'm just really glad that I'm still writing on that free identity theft protection that I got from the Target hack last year. <laughs> you look really thrilled by that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and maybe Home Depot will give me another year of protection so I can just, you know, keep riding this wave of free identity theft protection. Because they keep losing my crap. That's totally worth it, right? Oh, totally. Totally. Hey, speaking of digital forms of payment, um, I, I completely, I wrote complete clickbait into this uh, headline. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> but it's also a joke. ISIS, one of the many, renamed itself SoftCard. Didn't really announce it. I just looked on my phone one day, and I had a new app that looked a lot like my old app called SoftCard, where ISIS once was. Mm-hmm. We had mentioned this uh, in passing uh, about a month ago or so. It was, it was the same time that, that Draw Something renamed themselves Art with Friends, so I was really confused. I had two new apps on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, when we first announced this, ISIS, the credit card wallet e-payment NFC touch-to-pay system, was worried about the Muslim militant group in Iraq who were engaging in terrorist activities and said that they were thinking about changing their name. 
Since that time, two American journalists have been beheaded. Uh, so by ISIS, ISIS. Yeah, by ISIS, not the e-wallet company. <laughs> <laughs> Pay your bills, folks. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to make light on it because it's it's just pretty horrible. But um, yeah, so ISIS went ahead and changed their name, so they're now Softcard, which I think is a is a better name than ISIS. I mean, take out the the fact that ISIS is also the name of a terrorist group, but Softcard makes more sense in you know in this in this day and age where we have physical physical stuff and digital stuff uh this just lends its itself to you know people understanding that soft card means this is you know the digital side of your physical card so yeah, yeah me, totally like- it's it, well it's like microsoft when microsoft came out ooh microchipped software sure mm-hmm. makes sense doesn't actually mean that software credit card yeah okay sure it's a good name yeah so just kind of Odd that suddenly it showed up on my phone. Um, into other large money numbers, Destiny, the new game from Bungie, launched this week um, to a tune of $500 million, making it the largest launch of an original title. Uh, we have to qualify that because other games, other games have launched to larger numbers, but they were all sequels. Right. So I have not had a chance to play this yet. I'm a gamer, but I'm a married gamer, which means I'll pick it up, quote-unquote, new in like a year. <laughs> now, did, did the success of this launch come solely off the Bungie name, do you think? A lot of it I, had to do with that, because I, I they agree, did target yeah. um, Halo fans in in the beta release. I know I was, I was invited to the first beta launch they had uh, because of my Halo um, fandom. And so they they did write off of the success of Halo. I think all the open betas helped as well. Yeah. I, I love how they get people on to stress test this game. And they did the same thing. They didn't, but uh, Titanfall did the same thing. You know, hey, come on, uh, install the app. You can install the game. You can help us stress test and load test the servers. Oh, and by the way, get completely addicted to this game that's coming out in a few days. <laughs> okay. You don't beta test something two days before launch. That that's advertising people, but uh, yeah, um, I don't know. We'll see if it uh, if it keeps going. It'd be it really was. annoying if Bungie <laughs> becomes the new Bioware, wouldn't it? Everything they make sells platinum. I wouldn't be surprised. They, so still kind of uh, sad that uh, they don't own Halo anymore. But. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed by that. They're Microsoft's owned by doing, Microsoft. Yeah, they're doing a good job with it, so I can't complain too much. Well, hopefully you won't when Microsoft goes and buys Mojang. <sighs> Mojang, <laughs> the company who... Um, oh, by the way, Microsoft is also taking uh, your, your TV away, Schmitty. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> but that's okay. We're, we're just going to fill him so full of brainwashing, he's going to go on an anti-Microsoft just bender. Um, there are rumored talks that uh, Microsoft is about to acquire Mojang, the creator of, micro, of Minecraft, for $2 billion dollars. Still just in rumor right now, and hopefully it stays there. But I don't know. I mean, um, part of me wouldn't be surprised because currently my, Minecraft is on the Xbox, right? And to my knowledge, it's not on any other platform, right? Well, well other than PC, th- this can go one of two ways. Now, Microsoft bought the Halo rights from Bungie, who we just talked about, and did awesome things with it. We have the Master Chief Collection coming out. Halo Five is being released pretty soon. Um, so they're they're doing it justice. So the chances that uh, I mean, if if they do buy Mojang, 
um, which include they own Minecraft, um, a game called Scrolls, uh, and another game I can't remember right now. But um, they have titles that are really popular at the moment, um, and they could do really cool things with them. But most of the fandom from from the Minecraft community are into the modding. They're 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 part of the modding community of Minecraft, and I'm afraid that Microsoft would lock that down. What's so. really interesting is in this article that we've linked to kind of points it out as well. Um, Notch, the creator of Minecraft, is really kind of leery of large corporations. You might remember he actually pulled out of uh, Oculus VR, the Oculus Rift, once they got bought up by Facebook because he didn't want to see that project turn all corporate. So it's kind of odd that he's and, now turning all corporate. And he almost he almost killed the PC version of Minecraft when, when Microsoft tried getting him to... Uh, uh, Make his make to make Minecraft for Windows Eight, uh, Windows so, Eight RT for the yeah. Metro. Yeah, so Jay, he's very anti corporation. So yeah, this this rumor kind of surprises me. I I really think it's out of Notch's uh, personality. But uh, the same sources that that say that this deal is going down also say that lately uh, Notch has been, you know, kind of in the sellout mode. Anyway, he's kind of losing interest in minecraft and mojang as a whole so there could be some truth to it two billion dollars you know there's yes. there's a lot yeah there's a lot i would do for two billion dollars just saying. i'd be pro big business for two billion dollars sure yeah i well, do that when when asked to comment one of the mojang employees did say that you know we're not hurting for money we we, we don't need the money so either it's something else entirely the the reason they're doing it or it is completely false do you think it's possible that Notch is just done? Yeah, that's yeah, a possibility. Just bored? I mean, you you said that people are, are talking that that may be the case. Yes, uh, a, a coworker mentioned. You know, he he might be looking to just go create another game company. I know there's a lot of games he's wanted to start in the past that he just hasn't been able to because there's not enough bandwidth at Mojang. Um, and so maybe maybe he just wants to start a new company, start start fresh, and get some new ideas on the road. Yeah. Um, speaking of Microsoft money, sometimes it does not solve everything. A couple episodes ago, well, many episodes ago, actually, we talked about how Microsoft had made a deal with the NFL for everyone to use Microsoft Surface tablets, actually the Surface 2, on the sidelines. It was a specialized, um, ruggedized version, waterproof, uh, impact-resistant case, really meant for the sidelines, uh, just to get the tablet out there. doesn't really help when all your stupid announcers keep calling it an iPad. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. If I were Microsoft, I'd be pretty upset about that. Yeah, maybe you can give us some of that money back, NFL. Thanks. Um, <laughs> well, this has been actually, I'm sure that's what's going to happen. This has been the problem with, problem with tablets ever since the iPad came out. The iPad was such a success that every tablet afterwards has been inadvertently called an iPad by well, people who don't know better. Which so. one do you have, though? Do you have an iPad or do you have a Samsung iPad? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, and that was the case for years with MP3 players as well. Mm-hmm. Everything was an iPod. No, it's a creative Zen Vision M. No, it's an iPod. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's worse than that. I mean, we are on what's called a podcast specifically because of the iPod. Mm-hmm. Never mind the fact that no one has an iPod anymore. <laughs> they don't even make them, do they? Uh, they? Well, they still do, but they're now all iPod touches. In fact, this week they actually announced also that they're killing off the old click wheel design. That was part of that uh, Apple announcement. It's, it's gone. 
which about time really i mean don't get me wrong i think the click wheel was pretty awesome but it's been it's past its time yeah. it's past its time yeah it's easier to make touch screens touch screens can do more um let's uh quickly hit our very last headline and I'm pretty sure Squishy will also touch on this on Squishy's Comics and Movies, which you can find here on StolenDroids.com. But Netflix is going to have a new Daredevil series. Which we've discussed. And they're hoping to bring a harder edge to it. Now, well, harder than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Which is like saying, I need it to be more intimidating than my grandma. <laughs> she's pretty intimidating, isn't she? Well, that's the Alzheimer's talking. Really, she's quite nice. Um... <laughs> <laughs> sorry grandma oh you're a horrible person zook and yet i can't stop laughing which makes me a even probably more horrible person now they tweeted Stephen denight uh tweeted uh, he's the showrunner it'll be less than spartacus more than shield and as comicbook.com points out less than spartacus more than shield is a pretty big range i think gilmore girls falls into that doesn't it I I wouldn't know Zook. I don't watch Gilmore Girls. Okay, Gossip Girl, since that's more up your alley. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, um, oh, okay. It's like saying, well, it's going to have people, and they'll be doing things, interesting yeah. things. I'm thinking they're going with violent-ish. Yeah, I don't know. You know, though, I, I can't imagine that they're going to be too violent, because... Marvel has really done a good job at building up their cinematic universe brand. But how how and can you do Daredevil without violence? Isn't that what he does? He's like the Batman of Marvel. That's yeah. what they all do, though. Yet they make it PG thirteen, except Punisher. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and they're all really successful. Yeah, except Punisher. <laughs> no, no, you got a point. <laughs> Just saying. All right, into our favorites. Uh, mine comes from a, uh, a British group whose name I don't even remember right now at the moment. It is the most epic nerf battle in history. If you go through their videos, they're all kind of interesting because in every single video, they absolutely trash their house and end up killing most of their friends every single time. And this one is especially funny to me because this is how Fridays are at my job. My very favorite has to be uh, when he shoots the gas tank and you see the nerf dart just doink off of it and then explode, as they yeah. do. Check it out. Uh, a couple uh, moments of language, just two, I believe. So if you're watching it at work, turn it down. My favorite this week is a Star Wars clip. If you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you know I'm a big Star Wars fan. Well, somebody took the throne room scene at the end where... Han and Luke are receiving their medals from Princess Leia and they remove the score and it's full of awkward silence uh, a lot of awkwardness and uh, they finish it off with some even more awkwardness but Chewbacca is awesome so check it out uh, my favorite uh, comes to us from a YouTube channel uh, named Brett Domino after the guy who stars in it Brett Domino um, he's also Good British. thing to name it after. <laughs> he's also British. He's really funny. Uh, the videos I'm linking to are How to Make a Hip Hop Song Part 1 and 2, where he uh, takes you step by step through the process, including the entire creative process, on how to make a hip hop song. If you follow these steps, you'll, you'll be famous. So check it out. Excellent. I'll be doing that n next week, and we will not have another episode because I'll be famous. <laughs> 
That is our episode for this week. Thank you so much for listening in. Again, follow us on Facebook, friend us on Twitter, or do that in reverse. I'm not sure which. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK, or write us at feedback at stolendroids.com. Until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.